In this episode of The Makers, we go over some troubleshooting of the A-Net, some surprise eggs, some grow boxes, and how to fix a broken pebble watch. Welcome to The Makers, episode 17, and good day all Patreons watching this stream live. You want to be a Patreon, all you got to do is go to patreon.com slash themakers, and you can join us each and every week when we do the show live. Uh, We get a YouTube feed there. They also get the audio link via a uh, Patreon RSS feed hopefully less than an hour or so after we broadcast. My name is Dor Dor Geek. I'm the owner-president of Podnuts. This is a podcast all about making, building, breaking, learning. Um, and we're going to have to get better as a team in finding more time, speaking for myself. Um, I am joined this week by Brett. How's everything going, Brett? It's going good. Uh, haven't done much uh, building, but I've done a lot of breaking. Well, I guess you could say I've been doing both, but... Uh been learning a lot too so i guess it's been a good few weeks gotcha gotcha yeah i've been insanely busy but very little time to actually be pro um pro um productive uh we're also joined by aaron from oregon how's everything going man if you're talking aaron we can't hear you going great yeah you know my health i pushed uh the button to talk um yeah, have a couple items or doing been doing a lot of printing, a uh, couple items to show and talk about. And uh, other than that, no breaking. Um, oh, finished uh, the skeleton. That turned out really good. I think you guys saw it on the Makers uh, page. And um, it wasn't stolen, so that's a plus. Other than that, just uh, freezing my hiney off here at it's a little uh, to get uh, that fall uh, winter weather, and we fall back uh, fall back an hour this weekend. Yeah, I despise daylight savings time. Um, we did see pictures of uh, the finished skeleton Lego mini figurine giant sized on the Instagram feed. But I got to ask you, how do you think it turned out, and how do you think the paint job turned out? Because I know none of us are we consider ourselves artists in any shape, way, or form. But from what I saw in the picture, I thought it looked pretty damn good. Yeah, it turned out a lot better than I thought, but honestly, I should have, I think if I would have thought about it more, or if I had the white, I would have rather printed it white, and then just uh, uh, did the face. So, I ended up doing some uh, filler primer over the whole entire thing, then I did some gray primer, and... uh, I ran out of gray primer, so I had to use white and tried to kind of, you know, fill gap stuff here, there, and make it a little smoother looking. And then I ended up uh, using a, a gloss white for the final coats. And it turned out, it, it, it turned out really good for what, I mean, what, uh, what it did or what it was. I was shockingly surprised how well it turned out, um, especially after I painted on the, uh, so I, there's a stencil in the in the uh the the link for for to print all the um different uh, parts and pieces that there's also a print an stl that is a, a stencil 
and you put it over the face and you're supposed to be able to spray paint, you know, the eyes and face and all that on. Well, that uh, you it was looking like it was just going to be a major overspray and ruin the whole entire thing. So I my wife had some acrylic paints and I took um, a small toothpick and uh, painted uh, the eyes and the nose and the face uh, with the acrylic paint and it actually surprisingly turned out really good i couldn't believe it because uh liam and i have talked about many times how our uh painting artistic skills do not uh, there are there are none per se and so i was actually shocked that it turned out so it looked really good and uh overall i give it a I give it a 75% out of 100 uh, overall completion of uh, quality. Well, for being the first go, I'd say that's damn good. Um, we're also joined this week by um, Chad. How's everything going, man? Well, it's going. But, uh, yeah, I did. Uh, I got that uh, Delta printer running pretty good right now. It's um, doing a little more tweaking on it, but I got the numbers all set in there, and I'm going to try to get those out to... I don't know, probably Thingiverse or something, in case somebody else is interested in it. Um, still tweaking it in, ran a couple test cubes, but man, that thing flies, and it's solid as a rock. Yeah, I, I got to say, dude, you went completely 180, because to go 360 is stupid. You, you went completely 180. You were You almost sounded depressed when you were talking about it before, and just in the last couple of days, you've been singing the praises of how well this thing prints. So I'm happy the hardware itself is of a good quality, and I'm even happier that you figured out all the uh, little software tweaks to get it running right. Yeah, the problem is there's no documentation on this, the the board or the the whole thing um there is if you get the mini version the smaller version but going with the bigger version there's just no information out there so uh, i had to learn a lot of stuff learn the calculations of how to figure out stuff because it's got a calibration system in it but you have to have the numbers fairly close before it'll calibrate itself and tweak them in just right and uh once i figured that out and then, then thought i bricked that board you know it wasn't taking programs, and then I started looking at the Arduino setup and whatnot on there and figured out that I didn't need to flash it the way that they said. I could flash it um, it's a little slower flashing it with the uh, programmer I used, but it was still under the Arduino system. But it worked, and it I thought I screwed up the bootloader, but no, it was just my... Uh, Something I did wasn't working right, but you got to go now. So, gotcha, gotcha. I'm pretty sure if that would have landed in my house, I would end up selling it as a box of parts on eBay. Um, we're also joined by um by um by um James this week. How's everything going, man? You were definitely uh I know uh, you your books were uh quite busy here recently. Did it all work out okay? Uh, still working on it. <laughs> Working being the operative word. Yeah, I've been uh, mostly working with the CNC router this week. Um, yeah, I've been super busy. Um, I did some stuff for uh, Escape Games for a haunted forest thing they were doing. So, you know, with Halloween and everything, um, that was kind of a deadline. Cut out a bunch of stencils and signs and stuff like that for them to this giant skull. That was pretty cool. 
And uh, then, of course, Singularity Computer has been working on a case for them, machining a bunch of acrylic all week. Haven't really broken much for once. Um, mostly just been machining and thinking about the improvements I want to make on the router. But yeah, it's been kind of, you know, 12 to 14 hour days for the past few weeks. So I haven't uh, haven't had time to keep up with you guys. But uh, yeah, I'm kind of back now. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, uh, what I hope is that uh, for as busy as you've been, you also, when it does slow down, you get a chance to actually take it easy for a little bit. Um, uh, I'm happy. I hope so. Right. And and to be honest, Halloween, the more I think about it, Halloween is the perfect fit for makers. I mean, when we went out, there was like a couple garages where people had like little mazes going through where you could have a million things set up in there to spook and creep and do all kinds of things. Um, I did see, I think, one or two outfits where I do think there was some actual legitimate making involved. Not a whole lot. What I'm expecting now is year to year, I'm going to see an exponential growth. We're in three to five years. I expect to see well over 20% of the um, costumes have a good amount of making involved in them instead of just going to that store that opens up for three months and buying a ripoff of an imitation of a real thing and putting on a mask. Yeah, we kind of go all out making costumes here for Halloween. My kids are starting to get a little bit old for it, but... uh... Yeah, we never buy costumes. We always make something. Very cool, very cool. Uh, we're also joined by um, Liam. Hey, Liam, uh, hope you had a good week. Did you do any building, breaking, or learning? I did a little bit of each. Um, for some making, I put together myself a dry box for filament storage that you keep it in there while you're using it. I'll get some stuff posted up on that eventually. Basically, I just took somebody else's idea and modified it for my needs. Um, on the breaking... I've got my ANET control board. It crapped out again. So I would be on my third one for that damn thing. So I've decided to um, just give up on it. I'm going to put a completely new board in there, which at this point, nothing left on that, save maybe for some uh, smooth rods came from the actual ANET originally. And uh, as far as learning goes, I don't switch learning or teaching, but I feel like we need to change the terminology we're using, especially with noobs um, or people new to printing. Everybody's talking about leveling the bed when in reality, we're not really leveling the bed. What we're doing is tramming it. We're making sure that the extruder is parallel to the bed in the X and the Y. It doesn't matter if it's plumb or level to the ground so much as we're tramming it. And then from then, all you really need to deal with is varying your z height so your initial z offset for your first layer which can be done in software and I, I really think that's a uh, um, two-step process so you should tram your bed to your extruder or extruders and then you should move on to doing the your z offset because your z offset is going to change depending on the, the filament and you know what your surface is and surface temps even uh, i just feel like that's something maybe we need to uh, address more often and just uh, saying, uh, my, my print didn't stick. Well, have you leveled your bed? Well, okay, what do you mean level your bed? Yeah, that always kind of bugged me. They call it bed leveling when it really isn't. I mean, it's just getting the extruder to run parallel to whatever out of level the bed is. Yeah, yeah. I, the terms, I mean, I don't want to say the terms are super difficult. I'll say at least most of the people I've communicated with use the same terms 
Uh, it, it isn't like everyone calls it something else, at least in my experience. But yes, there needs to be like a uh, cheat sheet for noobs or when people talk to noobs, they have to be aware and, you know, soft blow the term. You say the term followed by the definition of the term kind of thing. Um, and I will say the ANET, here's the feels I get about that ANET 3D printer. If you expect remote perfection out of the printer when you order it, go buy a lotto ticket as well, because it seems it's almost random what you're going to get in the box and whether or not things are going to work out of the box. Well, for sure. Those things are built to a price 100%. And honestly, for the price of the thing, when it works, it's working great. Um, hands down, after I did the all metal conversion, it gave me the cleanest prints. However, it did it intermittently. So sometimes it was printing great and sometimes it was just not um, I think now swapping out this board, that's going to be the final straw and I'll have a, another completely dead nuts on printer in the inventory, which will be great. Gotcha. Gotcha. Very cool. I mean, I'm happy you got it working and it'd be even better to be honest. I'm even happier that now that you did this, it's running like a champ because I do believe it had a good base to it. It was just, you know, the corners weren't sharpened kind of thing. And the board, you, You've made it sound like there's at least three people who very shortly after buying it or as soon as you buy it, there's issues with the actual motherboard and consistently working. Um, it, it would like randomly sometimes lock up, freeze up. And I'm guessing that could have been maybe a heat related thing. Yeah, it's certainly possible. Uh, I suspect that they're just not QCing them like they should. Um, I, again, they're being built to a price. I mean, I think the entire kit delivered was 150 ish. So. I, you know, okay, it, it served its purpose. I'm, I'm past trying to repair it. I'm just going to move on to better parts at this point. Um, did I just see a, a flying rich crash in here? Yes, you did. And I've been fighting with the ANET for most of the week. Case in point. Another yeah. successful crash, huh? <laughs> <laughs> but then again, mine, I don't have many issues with mine. I mean, most of my issues are self-caused issues <laughs> and and that would be my title of my events this week so hey, hey rich first off it's really good to talk to you but um i i honestly had a hard time keeping up with what was going on with your printer because i was trying to visualize the issues and kind of thing and i gotta tell you i could not for the life of me if that was sitting in front of me i don't think i would have been able to figure out what was going on so to, do, do, do me a favor tell us the symptoms, you know, how it started, when it started kind of thing, and then to your uh, okay resolution. All right. So when you print, like, the layers should go down like a film, not like a bunch of strings laying next to each other with gaps. And that's what I was getting. And I'm like, what the heck? Is, is my extruder somehow, is the gear slipping? Is it missing steps? What the heck's going on? You know, is the nozzle clogged? You know, I've tried all sorts of clear nozzle procedures. I replaced the nozzle. I replaced the the, the barrel. I, I've, you know, re-leveled the bed because I'm manually leveling, even though I have the sensor and haven't, you know, wired it up yet. And then, you know, you don't get the... The, the other problem for me uh, with the ANET is, okay, I changed the barrel or you changed the barrel and the nozzle or any combination thereof. And then your cooling duct and barrel, you know, nozzle tip are not at the right height. So the, the cooling duct is now lower than it, it 
just one thing after another. It's just not fun. So it seems to me like two things. One, I used a new version of Cura, and it seemed to have imported my settings, but it just seemed like things weren't right coming out of it. I got a couple of good prints, and I may be completely wrong about Cura. What it seems like is I have two um, music wire bars and some plastic wheels that I printed that I just dropped the spools on. There's no bearings. It's always worked fine before, but it seemed like that was the cause, that it, there was a little bit of tension, and it was just um, you know putting tension on the extruder, and it wasn't extruding as freely. So I switched back to my old system that I haven't used in six months, where it's just uh, a spool that I printed that screws together, and that fits in the you know big hole on the filament spool, and with a, just a music wire rod, and that works fine, and I've been getting good prints since. Gotcha, gotcha. See, to me, this is the classic example of changing your workflow at one point and having a cascading effect going raining down, raining down like like oh yeah, like it, you know cinder block sized blocks of hail crushing things downstream and liam coached me pretty good on this because i i have the octopi running and he's what liam said and i i think is the best ever is you know what get everything out of the system just do you have something on an sd card you printed before that you can print again straight from the machine unplug the octoprint just figure it out from there and last week i had to flash the firmware because it was printing off the edge of the bed and there was nothing i could do and the only thing i'm trying to figure out right now i i a print just finished when i sat down and i it's in the garage so maybe I'll run out and grab it. But things aren't round. Uh, my y-axis seems to be a little short, but when I measured it, when I, with Octoprint, I, uh, you know, put a mark on the bed and then said, hey, move 100. It moved 90, let's see, 99.63 millimeters, which could have been the width of my line. You know, wh what are we talking? 0.27 of a millimeter difference here? On although when I printed a cube for some reason it was a twenty millimeter cube and it was like one millimeter fatter in one dimension or one I'm sorry like one millimeter shorter in the y axis which there's something else going on. So ultimately, it ended up being tension on the spool side yeah, overco it, overcoming the the drive of the extruder gear. I've I've actually run into that before. Um, which. I have no idea why that's the case because it for six months that systems run fine. Well, I mean, your uh, your pots can slip. You could have a motor that's starting to die. You could have less tension. That spring could be getting fatigue. Okay. All right. Um, but definitely check the the voltages on your pots. See if those need turned up or tuned to the correct voltages to begin with. I mean, we were just talking about how these A nets aren't exactly QC'd very well. It, um, and that may solve it for you. And I had one more ANET problem that I'm like kind of ticked about. Uh, I had a, a bed temperature underrun. And, and I'm like, what the heck? And why, why would the bed all of a sudden, you know, drop five degrees? And I, I've grabbed the wires. I soldered the wires onto the bed. I've jiggled them around. I'm like, should I just buy a better bed? Is it, it you think that's a solution? Sounds like a power supply issue. Especially if your extruder is mm. being underpowered as well. Hmm. 
Could well, I tweak the potentiometer for the extruder and watch your bed temperature. And if you can see an inverse relationship, it's your power supply, probably. Okay, dog. And you're talking about potentiometer on the power supply? No, no, on your no on the, on, on the board for your uh, drivers. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't remember there being any pots on the board. There's uh, pots sitting there. There isn't There's any pots four. for the um, uh, bed level or the bed heating. And the extruder don't have pots, so they're just what they are. The extruder doesn't? The bed level doesn't surprise me, but the extruder doesn't? Uh, Not the extruder, but the the heating element, the the heating of it. um, Those are just hard set. Yeah, yeah. For the heating elements, uh, that's normal. But there should be pots for the – there should be something for the – For the voltages? Yeah, yeah, for the extruder itself. Yeah, for the steppers there are. Yeah, for know. the crank yeah. up the potentiometer for the stepper extruder and then watch your bed temperature. Because a lot of these, especially your your uh, more budget low QC printers, the balance of power to all the elements is pretty delicate, you know. And gotcha. um, if your uh, power supply starts to lose efficiency or go at all, generally it's going to show up in one of your steppers or, you know, heating or whatever, but usually it'll show up first in one of your steppers because the stepper potentiometers are real sensitive. So if you crank that up and then see your bed temperature drop, it's probably your power supply. Mm-hmm. But don't be surprised if you crank it up and you start seeing other issues. So don't do it for a print that, you know, gotcha. you really want to print properly. Well, right now I'm just, you know, trying to satisfy myself that I can print something round because uh, I've been trying to print some round things and they're coming up, you know, more oval than round. And I'm trying to figure that one out. Well, well that sounds like you need to calibrate your uh, steps. Per yeah, millimeter. I, but like I said, I, I did a Y movement. I, uh, you know, with, with a square, put, a, put it up against the fan, uh, the cooling fan uh, for the, the, not the head, but the uh, part cooling fan, and uh, you know, put a put a square up to that. Made a mark, said move, you know, a hundred, and I measured it, and it could have been the width of the line. It what I measured was ninety nine point six three millimeters. Okay, so, so you did a test cube, a twenty millimeter test cube, right? And the twenty so, millimeter test cube is so you know foobard, it's ridiculous. So. Generally, what you do is you take your expected um, size divided by your actual size, and that'll give you the steps that what it should be. Real, real quick though. Okay, so back on the board, there are three versions of that board. One has none, no potentiometers. One has one, and one has four. Um, Definitely check those. Also on your power supply, if it's starting to crap out, you can crank up the voltage, I want to say, to 14 volts on most of those. is as high as it'll go. That'll get you a little extra leeway. Um, there's a great troubleshooting ANET uh, PDF that I dropped in the MIUI oh, a long time back that covers most of this. And then as far as tuning your steppers, um, don't ever do it off of a 20 millimeter cube. Do it off of something that's going to take the majority of the bed because you're going to get more accurate percentages. Yes. Um, And then don't discount the fact that you might just have a loose set screw on your X or your Y. And it's just enough that you're getting a quarter turn, an eighth of a turn before it catches and moves the thing. So, I mean, check all the simple stuff like set screws very first before you go chasing down other things. 
Yeah, check your hardware before you start changing any software. Check your the mechanicals of it. Make sure you're mechanically you're perfect, you know. Yeah, it's kind of like actually is Aaron in? I didn't even look. No, he's not, huh? It's I don't know how many of you are old-time RC flyers before digital radios where you actually had to mechanically trim everything and make sure it worked right before you had all the digital trims. Yeah, I remember that. Okay, so while I was talking, I just wrote down the measurements of my cube. So it's uh, 20.29, 21.91, 20.73. So, and then you got to go back to what's the margin of error on the tool you're measuring with. I mean, my digital most expensive caliper. digital calipers were probably 30 bucks. So those might be good to my attempt $10, if that. My $10 digital caliper? Well, even my... A cheap set of digital calipers should still get you close enough as long as you haven't dropped them or something. Yeah, but even my $190 Mi- Mi- Toyo, uh, uh caliper is going to be only re- only accurate to 5,000. That's just a caliper thing. Yeah, calipers aren't really, you know... I mean, my, my Mitotoyos, I actually just checked them are good to about a thou right now. But that's right now. <laughs> oh, I used to have that exact same set. Yeah, the cool and proof ones. Yeah, I think when uh, Rich started talking, uh, Aaron left. No, not on purpose. I heard what he oh, said. Oh, hey. I just, <laughs> I couldn't, <laughs> I just couldn't reply. It, there was, uh, yeah. So, no, I definitely understand uh, the old school trim and uh, adjustments when it comes to uh, RC. Back in the day, good old times. And don't, definitely don't discount that the way you're measuring it is impacting it. If you've got some elephant footing or the corners aren't square, they're they're bulging gotcha. out, and you're measuring on the corners instead of across the flats, you'll get some variation there as well. Even just from the uh, how hard the air pushes on it from the cooling fan, one side will be more or less flat. Well, that and then you're measuring plastic, so your pressure will how much pressure you're putting on your measurement, your tool will affect it too. Basically like uh, what was it Liam I think was saying earlier about printing as big as you can. Print like if you got a pair of six inch calipers, print like 5.9 inches or something. Like print something as big as you possibly can to tune. If it's your steppers to tune your steppers, but it really makes a huge difference because your inaccuracy is gonna, you know, be like 1% of inaccuracy is going to show up a lot more over like five or six inches than it is over, you know, your, you know, 20 millimeter cube. Gotcha. Definitely understand that. It's like maybe print a big rectangular frame shape or something. I mean, you don't have to print a huge cube, just cat up a little frame or something like that. So for those of you that have uh, the stock ANET or started with a stock ANET, is it reasonable should i be thinking about replacing my head my print head for something better or is you know what what should i be looking at if it's working no um the biggest thing that i worried about with the stock one is how well was the inside of that throat machined and how long was it before you get a jam in it if you're not getting jams i wouldn't worry about it too much i would worry more about the kinematics on the um switching from acrylic to metal so mm-hmm. it, stays um tram and you know i was just gonna pour plaster paris all over it like gasoline would work better (laughs) (laughs) one thing with the anet 
and you were saying your spool, you were getting your tension was causing the issue. Um, that spring tensioner on there is yep. one of the worst setups. Um, there actually isn't that much pressure holding it against that hob gear, um, your extruder gear. So if you have even the slightest bit of hang up in your spool, and I ran into this too, it will cause you to under extrude. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I'm thinking about it for mine, thinking about changing my the whole setup on it, but mine runs pretty good. So as long as I keep my stuff um, so that there ain't a lot of tension on it, I don't have a lot of problems except for when I run TPU. They're, they... You're running TPU through an A-net? Oh yeah, and I get great results. Yeah, and you do you have a guide for it after the uh, gear? Yeah, on Thingiverse, there's a guide you can print out, and it works great. Yeah. Huh. Wow. Yeah, I've, I've, that's where I run the majority of mine as well. Back when it was working. Um, so, in my opinion, there's there's two ways to deal with the tension issue. You can add a second um, extruder, like on the frame that feeds the gotcha. filament from the spool. To the you know open space where the extruder then takes it in just an assist um just wire it up in parallel or you can switch to bowden and if you're going to switch to bowden this is one of those times where i'm going to say go ahead and buy the chinese knockoff clone of the titan extruder um, it's highly adjustable and it's three to one gear reduction so you're never not going to have enough torque on it mm -hmm. <clears throat> Yeah, I, right now I'm near frictionless on the spool. I, you know, went back to my old setup. I, I do like the idea of uh, no shaft going through the center of the spool, so it's easy to change them out. But then again, it's not like I'm changing every two minutes, so it's not that big of a hardship. Yeah, that A-net's a horrible thing for even adjusting your spring tension and stuff on it, just because it's so hard to get that uh, get to the extruder stuff. You got to take off your fan, everything, and then I've got my sensor mounted on it. So every time I take it off, I got to reset up my sensor. Oh, I hate that about the A net. Yeah, and I'm I'm thinking about putting because I I did run into a little bit of a problem. I'm like, not it's not like if I pull something off the bed and it's like stuck really good and and I got to get under there. I always re-level my bed. But if parts just pop off, I don't even think about re-leveling my bed. And my bed was off. I'm like, I've only had parts that popped right off. And I was shocked that it was off again. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, we're going to get into the main uh, topics here. Um, Aaron brought us some links. Um, uh, two of them from my mini factory, one of them from Matterhacker. So I feel better because they're not all from Thingiverse. Yeah, I've been trying to avoid Thingiverse lately. Um, were you uh, want me to go ahead and uh, chime in and start talking about that stuff? Sure, sure. Well, first off, <clears throat> let me uh, see here. I believe it is uh, the the first one I have on the list is uh, one I came across by pure accident. Um, a tiny haul truck is what it's called, uh, Surprise Egg uh, Number 1. And I was reading some article and uh, came across this. And what it is, is it's um, an egg that you print uh, that splits in half. Um, you know, just like a plastic egg, but it splits into half 
And uh, when you open it up, there's a little toy truck inside. And you 3D print the truck as well. And uh, you print it all as one and it fits inside the egg and it's kind of a cool little thing i mean it'd be awesome for little kids for easter but i think it would be good for even uh stocking stuffers for christmas you know just something kind of cool um i can't i haven't started printing this yet but i was definitely going to attempt it here shortly candy corn um and uh then my second one was just another version of that, which was the number two um, surprise egg. And it's a, a little tiny forklift. Um, the wheels move on all these, and I believe the dump truck works um, works the little dump uh, bucket works as well. So I just thought it was kind of cool. It was something different out of the norm. And uh, thought I'd post those up for you guys. And those are both from my mini factory. Very cool. And the, yeah, the actual truck dumps, the back of it tips up and dumps. And on the forklift, it looks like the little forks actually do move up and down. Yeah, yeah. And I saw that. And there's little videos um, as well on them, YouTube videos on them, so you can check them out. Um, yeah, they're pretty cool. And the little truck, just to give you, uh, you guys, you know, the audio guys an idea, the, uh, the truck and the forklift are, I mean, if you remember back in the day, old school, tiny machines, they're about that size or no, it wasn't tiny machines, it was micro machines. That's what it was. Right. And we, and we've definitely got to print out one of these forklifts for our, for our buddy, uh, Mitch, send it over to him. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so. and, if, and if you have that color yellow that you think, what am I going to print with this? It makes no sense. Well, now you might have the perfect use case. If it looks almost like the color of an egg yolk, then you should do this. You know, I have a couple parts that were printed from uh, some company that uh, would be the perfect yellow. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know what you're talking about, man. Should have to explain that more or something. I don't know. Oh, shoot. Cracking me up there. Uh, and so finally on my list is um, we had uh, uh, one of the guys, uh, Josh, had brought it up in um, our Voxer link or group. But I'd, I would had already put it in my uh, list to add to our show notes. But it is, you know, all those spools that you get from, you know, all the different uh, printing companies and you have all these empty uh, filament spools laying around. Well, this was uh, a gr this is probably the best one I've seen so far. It is um, from Matter, Hack Matter Hackers and it, it is a spool uh, tool desk organizer. Uh, there, it's not just, you know, little compartments that you can attach to, uh, the spool holder. Um, it is actually dividers. Uh, there's SD card holders. There's even inserts that go into these. Um, you'll definitely have to check out the link. It's kind of hard to explain, but it is a nice, um, there's probably, oh, there's 14 different files. Uh, so 14 different options on what kind of trays and, uh, so how do the trays pivot? They pivot, you, um, put a screw, I believe it's a screw, um, 
into one of the corners, the trays. It's kind of like a half half circle um, or a quarter of a circle uh, tray. So it fits with alignment of the inside of the uh, filament spool. And uh, it just slides in and out off of one corner. So the one corner has a hole in it, and you put like a screw in that or a pin. Okay, I think I see it. You see it now? And yep. uh, let's see. Yeah, and then you just slide it open one way or another. You can, you know, you can put all sorts of stuff. Great. I think this would work. And you, and also you can stack them on top of each other, which I like as well. And I just thought it was a great use for all the. I mean, I've got a stack here, probably one, two, three. I've got you know half a dozen because I threw all the others out or before, but of uh, spools just sitting around, and I thought this was a great use for them. And it would be great for holding all your um, 3D printing uh, tools or parts or screws. I mean, if you have any, if you've built any of these, like the FD5 or the um, uh, ANET, uh, they definitely have a lot of extra screws. So it would be a great use. I was looking at that, and I was thinking it'd be cool to uh, design like a, a base that you could slide a piece of PVC on that goes through the center of the um, the uh, spools and make like a rack, you know, a screw organizer or something, so you could have a bunch of them, you know, you rotate it around on whatever side you want. Kind of like a carousel setup? Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah, that'd be a great, I mean, that'd be easy to do as well, because all you'd Super have to do easy. is... Yeah, you just grab a, a, you know, a whatever size PVC to fit down the center and then make a base for it. I mean, that'd be a great idea, a great addition for this. Yeah, yeah, some little spacers or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, I have to agree because then all you got to do is like get a label maker and on the outside facing, you just put what's inside of them and you could have a hundred little drawers. Um, Because we all have little pieces and parts sitting around, whether it is a, um, um, a, a uh, jumper for a desktop computer or screws or even small little thumb drives and stuff that are just sitting around. You can keep them a little bit more organized. I, I just love the fact that they're reusing what inherently every single person with a 3D printer has extra of. Yeah, and that was the huge thing for me as well, Dor, was just repurposing something that I was like, it's been sitting on my floor forever. I'm about ready to throw it out. And then I came across that and I'm like, ooh, I might have to try that. You know, in about five minutes, you could program, you could design something in uh, Fusion 360 to uh, just be the adapter from spool to spool. That's a good idea. You could just do, you know, make it yourself. You don't even need to go to the hardware store to buy the PVC pipe. Oh yeah, yeah, that's them. a good idea. Like something just to interlock the spools together. Yeah, or I don't know, like the base, make the base, and then have the PVC coming up, or the uh, center have uh, um, a holder coming up through the center, so you can add different uh, or uh, multiple uh, reels or spools. Yeah, well, I was just thinking, make it like a stackable. You know, you just make uh, the uh, make a piece that's got that'll fit the ID of the spindle or the the hole. And then the idea of the hole that's going on top of it, and there you go. Right. Um, hey, no. Liam, do you smell that? No, no. What is that? That smells like a maker challenge, I'm pretty sure. Ah, I believe you're right. 
Yeah, I mean, because I mean, I definitely can see at least more than one person in here having their own idea fabricated in their head of how to do this right. We all have extra rolls of uh, a filament, like the um, actual um, spindle parts sitting around. So I don't see a reason why this shouldn't be. I, you know, I, I think I, I will be the judge for this one because I have precisely two spools. One that I took with me to the store so I could figure out my box and the other that I use when I'm winding spare filament. Otherwise, they just get thrown in the pile for recyclers. Well, if you print one of these up, it'll take so much, you'll have a bunch of empty rolls of filament. <laughs> <to it. laughs> or, yeah, exactly. This case I'm working on has got like 30-something different kinds of screws, and I was actually about to buy a, a little cabinet thing from MSC to organize it, you know, for this case. But I might just try and design and print something up instead. But, yeah, I'm with you. I kind of throw away all my empty spools. I don't think I have any empty spools around. I got a bunch of full spools. But, uh, yeah, Just that won't stop me from designing off. something. <laughs> yeah, then I'll have to 3D print some spools to wind that filament on so I can keep it organized. Exactly. Yes. I like, I like, I spools, like this idea, though. I really like the idea of not having... It's something you already have, and then printing the adapters. There's no running to the store, you know? Right I kind of... I was kind of thinking about somewhat of a lazy Susan. I don't know if you guys you know, thought of it, but have a, have it spinning on like the carousel that you were talking about, but I don't know, maybe a little different than, yeah, I was going to have a bearing, a bearing in the base or something. So yeah, there's all those. Yeah. You can design a bearing up easy enough too. I'm sure someone's got a couple, uh, skateboard bearings from past fidget spinners or something. Exactly. Yeah. Hey, I think, I think this is great. I think, uh, what do we want to do for a deadline? Um, one week, two weeks, what? I would uh, it'd be nice two weeks because, I mean, it made it sound like you could just do it and just have it done in a couple of days, maybe. So I, I say two yeah, weeks. Yeah, that's totally How about by the end of the show? <laughs> oh, okay. Right, Here, Rich is already I'm already working done, on guys. <laughs> in Tinkercad, no less. Oh, in Tinkercad. So three weeks. Oh, one of us has got to do this in Fusion quick. <laughs> no, I'm not doing it in Tinkercad. Yeah. I'm doing it in Fusion. <laughs> I'm probably going to be pretty busy the next two weeks. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, we, we should do that, though. Everybody kind of come up with their own design and, you know, see how it goes. Yeah, doors thrown down the gauntlet. Be sure to submit your um, submission for the Spool Fool Challenge with the hashtag Spoolful, yeah. And we give the Patreon uh, folks access. I like it a lot. So this will be, so let's so let's have this with listeners and us uh, as well. So whatever you can come up with. Yeah, and now um, here's the you know, question. I've only got filament from one place. So no matter what, here's the gimmick. No matter what is designed, because this is a circle, all we got to do is scale up or scale down if your filament roll has a bigger or smaller hole, correct? Yeah. Yes, well, that's why you want absolutely. to do it in Fusion instead of Tinkercad. You can make it parametric. <laughs> so you just put in your, your spool diameter and it'll spit out a design. I'll, I'll have to take your word on that. Um, you're going to take You're going to uh, offer a class up for that, right? <laughs> that, that actually wouldn't be a bad idea to do a, a class for uh, on parametric design, you know, to teach people how to use the parametric variables and stuff. Because then, you know, like you could make a design and if you do it properly, you could do the ID of the hold and like the OD of the spool and your design will update to suit that. Sounds easy enough. Um, you're the expert, so obviously it's doable. 
<laughs> all right thanks very cool, yeah very it's cool. definitely doable it's just like you know time and resources <laughs> but yeah i'll uh that's a good idea actually very cool very cool uh looking at the notes uh the next person with notes in here is liam um really quick question Liam, before you started you mentioned in here about how we shouldn't call it bed leveling um me being uh, yeah i don't know an undereducated nerd is the way that I'll explain it. When I think of what the process is, you're perpendicularing. You're making sure the nozzle is completely perpendicular with the entirety of the bed. And because there's four places where you can adjust at least my bed, you got to literally like nudge, 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 nudge until it's closer to being perfectly perpendicular with the nozzle. I mean, I don't know if that's even the right way to put it. I don't know if anyone else would even understand what the hell I'm saying. So the process is called tramming. Um, I think it comes from machining where you'd take and tram your work surface so that you have a flat end mill and you run it back and forth across so that they are perfectly parallel to one another in both axes. That way, as you're milling, you're not digging in on one side more than the other. Uh, but I'm sure Chad can speak to that more than I can. Um, the problem we're going to have with what we do being additive is it's best estimate, best guess. We're not going to have, even with a good piece of glass, something that's perfectly flat. So there's a little bit of air built into it. Um, you're you're going to have you're going to have some bowing. You're going to have some places where it's it's not a perfect plane, and uh, you just you got to figure out how you want to deal with that. But you have to start somewhere with some sort of tramming. Well, yeah, basically what it's doing is making the XY plane in the software perfectly parallel to the actual bed of the machine. It's not moving the bed at all. It's, you know, it's, it's tweaking, it's tilting that virtual plane so that when it runs the G code, the X movements, you know, match the angle of however the bed's tilted and the Y movements match the angle however the bed's, bed's tilted in that direction. <clears throat> so yeah, making your z-axis perpendicular is one way of looking at it, or making your x and y axes parallel is the other way of looking at it. Same thing. James, tell me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like what you just described is auto bed leveling. Yes. Yeah, because I, I always I was always very aggravated with the term auto bed leveling because it doesn't do anything to the bed whatsoever. It does know, exactly it what you say. I know. me too. I I I, uh, I hate that they call it that because that's not what it's doing at all. <laughs> you know, I expect if it says auto bed leveling, I expect like jack screws on the corner right. of the bed to adjust somehow or Correct. something, you know? So what I'm, are you telling me that there's some marketing speak in 3D printing geekery that's a fairly cutting edge technology that we're home 3D printing and somebody's coming up with marketing speak for auto bed leveling? No, uh, we're also just along lazy the lines people. Of... It's, it's easy Who talking you know yeah but who knows the definition of tramming i mean most people That's true. don't know that you know so it's easier to call it auto bed leveling and i've heard people talk about this before and it's you're, you're right it's not auto bed leveling it's auto tramming and it's or it's mesh bed leveling it's mesh tramming whatever excuse me did you just did you just assume my iq because i'm offended <laughs> well, unless, unless you went to school for machining, you might not know what tramming is. I didn't say I knew what it was, but did you assume it? We, we've all milled cylinder heads or decked engine blocks, right? Yeah. Don't assume doors are trammy. Totally. Well, I'm not saying anybody <laughs> in here is a trammy. 
Yeah, when, when Liam said that word, I was like, oh, yeah, mm, Google. So now you're an expert, right? Um, as far as my kid's concerned, yeah. It's all that matters. Exactly. Um, now, here's the thing, Liam. You seem to be on a never-ending quest of making your environment, making your surroundings, making your printers, making your devices a little bit better every couple weeks. And you just went on a little um, upgrade that I think is friggin' awesome. That's all I got to say. Uh, you bought more than a couple things, including uh, what I guess we call a grow tent, for lack of better terms. And I, and I just love the idea of that. He just wants to be on an FBI list. He already is. I mean, yeah, I probably am on a list somewhere for something. <laughs> I mean, it's not like I'm on the Dean's list, so I've got to be on some other sort of list. But yeah, a special um, list. <laughs> wanted to deal with uh, controlling the environment a little bit better, making sure I had control of any sort of off-gassing particulate in the air. Just There's not very much ventilation in my shop being that there is none. So what gets in there stays in there unless I have front and back door open and running a fan. So it, it was time to get a another one of these grow tents and some hosing and a fan and an outlet and get everything put together. I've got three of my printers in there now. Um, all I have left to do is install the outlet and route the actual ducting and then it's set to go. I, I added some... Uh, Add some lights in I, yesterday, today, whenever I did that, so that I can uh, remotely, without having to deal with the office lights being on, be able to see and monitor prints. Because I always forget after I start a print and then I leave that there's no lights on, and I go to look at it, and I'm like, ah, damn it, no lights again. And just kind of have to hope and occasionally look to be sure that, hey, I didn't catch it right at the time where there's fire enough to see, but not fire enough to have killed my octoprint. So, yeah. Little upgrades here and there make life easier so that when you need the thing, it's working like it should be. Um, got all the links there to the stuff that I purchased and have put together. So my question is, I, I see the uh, grow tent. They have in all their pictures, they have it up in portrait-like mode. Um, it's so freaking big. It's 32 inches by 32 inches by 64 inches. You laid it down on its side, which honestly, I think how the door opens makes it a much better way to do it and there's so much room in there how many printers did you fit in there i have a cr10 an a net a8 and a tronxy xy that's <laughs> that is, sorry that is hot glued to a chunk of uh um, plywood along with the all the other components needed for it so i have one one printer that i can just pick up a chunk of wood and carry the entire thing with me which is kind of nice but it takes up way more space than it needs to. Gotcha, it gotcha. looks amazing. That's all I can say. I didn't really honestly comprehend from the size of what it, the picture you showed on the floor. And then once you had the printers inside, I'm like, oh, my God, that thing's huge. Yeah, now here's the question. You have the grow tent. You have a flexible tube. You have what looks like a really good like powered vent fan for it. Um, and then you have like the intake. So did you actually put a hole in the wall? I haven't put in the wall, the, the hole in the wall yet. I need to go up there on a weekend so that I have time to do it without being interrupted with customers and such and, you know, making noise. But I, that's exactly what I did with my FT5. I just used the four inch outlet and hose when I did it on that one. Um, I went with the six inch hose and outlet on this one. The price difference was 
minimal, but the CFM went up huge and the fan is actually quieter. So now that you've got a grow tent to pull the fumes off, you're going to be the first person to ever buy a uh, grow tent in order to prevent themselves from getting high. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's the idea ultimately. Very cool, very cool. This to me seems like a worthwhile upgrade. Um, Rough estimate for the total cost of the whole thing, I want to say is just about 100 and maybe 10, 120. Yeah, roundabouts. Um, the This grow tent, which is huge compared to the one the FT5 in, which already felt like a giant thing to begin with, actually cost less. Um, and it seems to have a few more features and inlets and outlets and everything. Um, I, I guess these things are just... People are buying them, so they're getting cheap. In Colorado? And Washington and Massachusetts and everybody else. Um, yeah, they're buying them here. Yeah. All the uh, industrial property rental just doubled since they legalized it here. <laughs> kind of sucks because I was looking at renting some space and the prices all went up. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. And, yet, and the, the one caveat I'll say is if you, the listener, don't want to spend that much, you can definitely scale down the size of the grow tent. The grow tent was about 50% of the price. So if you don't need one that big, um, right on the same page, you can uh, scale it down to 24 by 24 by 48 for about $10 less. And then I'm sure you can find them even smaller. Yeah, it's it's been a... I, I don't remember if somebody mentioned it on Facebook or what when I came across the idea of doing the first one for the FT5, but... I, I wish I had thought of that out of the gate instead of the uh, the lack box that I have my Wanho in. Gotcha, gotcha. Very good links in my opinion. Um, next set of links we have in the note look like they come from Brett. Uh, what do you got here, Brett? Basically, what I uh, what I came up with or what I thought about is uh, I have an opportunity to do a little advertising for my retro gaming console and i thought i'd you know set up an arcade with uh with a little console in front of it just showing advertising but uh i found this one uh this link to one that does a nintendo switch that you can put a nintendo switch in and uh liam you know said why don't you just make your own and so i think that's going to be my uh my next project is making my own uh little arcade that fits uh the the Raspberry Pi 7-inch display in, or something of the like, and having um, my little console right in front of it, maybe with glass or plexiglass over it. Very cool, very cool. Yeah, I'll say uh, Super Mario Odyssey came out about a week and a half ago. How is that? Oh, my goodness. Um, Okay, long story short. Nintendo is truly a next generation game developer. And I'm sure the PC master race people will say I'm an idiot. I don't know what I'm talking about, but um, legend of Zelda breath of the wild was purposefully developed for people with ADD. There's distractions <laughs> galore. Every, every 30 seconds, every three seconds in the game, you see something on the screen that, Oh, maybe I can go there. Oh, maybe I can do that. Oh, what was that? That moved every three seconds. And that's one of the reasons why that game was so successful. It was purposely designed to distract you. With Super Mario Odyssey, it's non-stop pleasure boosters. Uh, in the old Super Mario 64, if anyone remembers in hindsight, one of the failings about that game was you had to go into your level, or you had to pick what goal you were going for, 
then you would go to the goal, get the goal, then you were kicked back out of the level. Then you had to go back in and restart the whole level over again. In this game, you get into a gigantic land. There's six continents or whatever. And you can just find a moon in this case and not a star. Find the moon, you get the reward, then you move, then you just keep walking. And then you go find another moon. And then you keep walking. Then you go find another moon. And there's, I want to say they said they believe 900 moons scattered across the lands. Sometimes they're just hidden under a bush or a block. Sometimes you have to fight bosses for it. Sometimes you have to complete mini games for it. People are already saying by far nothing even is even close game of the year. I'm not going to say that. I will say my kids are hooked to where I have right now ultimate control over everything they do because that's my Switch. Yeah. No, the, the Odyssey looks <laughs> like it'd be great. I didn't know it was that big of a world, though. That's crazy. Um, I don't know size-wise how big it is, but I know it's it's pretty expansive and vast, and there's definitely a lot of uh, vertical space to um, go through, too. Um I love the idea of this little cabinet. I'm not going to lie, Brett. Um, I'm going to show it to my son just because we, in my opinion, the printer has been far too idle. So um, Yeah, it, it's good if you have a Switch. Definitely good if you have a Switch, but I don't have a Switch yet. Well, good news. They're ramping up pro um, production, and they expect to sell, I want to say it was $13 million in the first year, which, you know, that's hell of a lot. Wow. Wow, that'll be nice. Yeah, hopefully, it'll, yeah, hopefully I'll be able to get one pretty soon. I was just talking to my son, and this isn't maker related, really, but he was telling me his chemistry teacher she's got, she's still got, and still plays her original NES. Oh, if I had a functioning one, you betcha I'd be playing that thing. It functions. I'm thinking of going to the next, like, uh, you know, PTA meeting and seeing if she's married. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, first you have to ask, first you have to find out what kind of game she has, because, you know, they could be all the bad L, 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 G, N games and stuff like uh, Jekyll and Hyde. Could be, but if she's still hmm. playing it after this long, I'm guessing she's probably, uh, probably got, you know, all the good ones. Well, I have Punch-Out and uh, the Gold, uh, was it Contra? Uh, Contra and then Punch-Out Gold or whatever it was, the... The gold version of it that yeah, only got that. to Nintendo Power or whatever it was. I have a couple, about 10 different actual NES games. Very cool. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a sucker for all this stuff. That's all there is to it. Um, yeah, this is really cool. And I, honestly, I like the idea of basically taking that design as inspiration. Because here's the good thing about it, Brett. I'll say you can put any screen you want in it. So you can literally go get, if you want, um, you know, a cheaper screen put it in and half of the appeal of the look of this device is going to be everything about it, not just that screen. So, and, but uh, you, you said you wanted to see if you could find a small um, CRT screen. Well, what I, uh, what I wanted to do was originally was build a, uh, a CRT looking box that I could put an LCT LCD in. Um, and, uh, and it, but it just came out. The only things that I could really find were, you know, either TVs from the 70s or TVs from the 50s, and TVs from the 80s didn't weren't that, you know, exciting. And uh, but but it's uh, as far as the, you know, arcade went. I saw that arcade and I was like, you know, 
that would look a little bit nicer and would go a lot a lot better with what I was thinking. But a little CRT would be nice, but I'm not going to find one of those. I don't even think they made any of those. Well, the only thing I can think is for a really small CRT is those little old school portable televisions, which it, it wouldn't shock me if you go to the right um, thrift store kind of thing that you might be able to find one. But I don't know how usable it would be. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if I could get any video to it. I mean, I guess I could get RCA, but I don't even know. I don't know the. Uh, I don't know if the. Uh, if it would work. If it would work very good. Gotcha, gotcha. I, I, I honestly don't know. Um, we're also joined by um, by um, Jonas. Hey, hey, man. How's everything going? Oh, going pretty well. Very cool. Did you do any uh, building, breaking, or learning in the past week? I didn't really build anything. I did make a Roctopus that I have not styled the hair yet on. I broke my Pebble 2 watch buttons, and then I learned how to make some more watch buttons with TPU. Very cool, very cool. The uh, Roctopus I saw, it is a octopus, but there's a very unique thing. It, this is the one, correct me if I'm wrong, it basically prints a ring around the octopus and then does very thin, fine l threads out from the middle to the edge. And then what you're supposed to do is like cut it and that those little fine things basically become hair where you can like form them and shape them to at least a degree. Correct. Exactly. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. My son did say he wanted to print one. We have not done that yet. Uh, I just got to sit down and uh, figure out what we do it. Uh, Cause last time I was getting a little retraction issues, which I believe is um, all fixed now. Uh, and then you said you made TPU buttons for the pebble well for, first off why would you make uh, um, pebble buttons well apparently whatever rubber they used for these things is now deteriorating so i don't know if i got it exposed to some chemical or or whatever but it's kind of a rubberized plastic and they're on the left and the right and the ones i use most are on the right and it just kind of disintegrated around the edge and one of them just finally tore gotcha so gotcha. i need more well, I, I'll say this vaguely reminds me of um, Mark Cockrell from Android App Addicts. He has a Fitbit, and he said because he has a larger wrist, he's, you know, like six foot eight, he's a big fella. Um, he had to get a special wristband, and he's had it less than two years, and the wristband has basically frayed, decayed to the point of breaking in half. Now three different wristbands kind of thing. Um, so it sounds like the same kind of thing where it wasn't uh, maybe designed using the most optimal um uh type of ma type of ma um, materials maybe yeah or it could be just a bad batch of whatever plastic or rubber they inserted in the machine gotcha gotcha looking at the uh thingiverse page for this it looks like the design you know fits in the actual watch pretty good yeah the first one i printed which is the one i installed i had like three layers everywhere so like three vertical layers three on top three on the bottom normal settings and it's actually just a little bit too thick and then i printed another one with a single layer and it's super thin so i think it'd probably work better but basically i just uh used some of our banner tape we got some thin indoor outdoor super good uh double stick tape and i just cut off some really tiny pieces of that stuck it in the channel and it's been staying on for about a week now very cool very cool 
Yeah, I mean, it looks like it actually fits nice, and then it's just a question of like what color you have. And honestly, I like the fact that you printed yours in a pretty neonish uh, green. Yeah, I've got that, and there's blue and red and clear. So the watch is black. I figured something neon would be more interesting. Very cool, very cool. And it looks like you also found a link. Um, I'm going to guess this isn't posted by... Maybe this is. This is actually posted by Pebble themselves. It looks like they basically put up the entire 3D files in PDF, STL, and STP files for everything involving the Pebble and all of its, um, all of its ac- accessories. Right. On the Pebble 2, which is the one I'm using, um, they just had the exterior. So I haven't looked at the other ones, but when you load them up in the uh, design program the STL file is actually just the outside of the watch. And what you'll find is there's a lot of people that have remade exterior cases. So you can take the watch bands off, take the watch and put it in your own little 3D case, and that case clips onto something. So there's like a bike handle attached thing that you can clip onto your bike and you clip the watch in and out of the thing that's stuck to your bike. So you can use it on your bike and that kind of thing without having to have it on your wrist and be at an angle and whatever. Gotcha, gotcha. This is so, looks like a really good idea, and I'm really happy they put these files up. At least it's something. i got to say, most companies won't even put that up, so I'm happy they put that up. And I'm going to guess because it's TPU, TPU is probably actually the perfect material when you want little push buttons. Yeah, it's pretty flexible. Um, I first printed it flat. If you look at the picture on Thingiverse, it's printed it's showing it vertically and I ended up having to print it vertically to get it to be usable. If I lay it flat, the, uh, the supports you have to use screw up the uh, edges so bad that you can't really use it. So you do kind of have to print it the way it shows in the picture with supports and just very carefully trim off the support part that doesn't stick well, but it does work pretty good. The only downside of doing this and I haven't found a solution other than some kind of, you know, you'd have to use RTV sealant or some kind of silicone sealant to make it waterproof again, because it's definitely not waterproof the way I've got it stuck back on there. How about just uh, packing it with some dielectric grease? Yeah, grease is okay. Grease washes away. But um, yeah, some kind of silicone would be a more permanent fix. Gotcha, gotcha. Pretty cool stuff. I, I got to say, I really do like the idea of being able to have the power in your own possession to be able to take devices that have either worn out uh or just broke and you can like print a custom piece and put it right back in this is the example i tell people one of the reasons to get a 3d printer is so you don't have to go get custom parts or go buy completely brand new things when something breaks but instead you can actually get that exact type piece and print it yourself and put it in and i didn't really know the potential of the flexible material before so uh, this to me just makes every it just expands the possibility so much more yeah i'm using the sane smart brand it's the um the one you get on amazon it's like i don't know it was like six or eight dollars a spool and it's a little tiny spool just so it can get some different colors i think you you and a couple other people got a couple of sample sets of that um it's not super soft so it's still kind of stiff but it's still bendable so it's not stiff like you know ABS or PLA where you push on it enough times it'll crack. Um, this is going to be super super uh, strong for quite a while, I think. 
but I would like to try it with another TPU that's maybe a little more closer to rubber-like feel. Yeah, the the Saiyan Smart stuff is definitely di very robust. Um, I've had mine go through the washer-dryer cycle, and it looks just completely new. It's held up great. I've had one hanging off my belt for a few months on, on a keychain, just through a tiny little little hole, and it um, that stuff is ridiculously strong. Um, the first thing we did when I got my first spool was replace my son's shoelaces with it. They've been tied once and been tied ever since. He just slides them in and out. That stuff's just stupid strong. Yeah, you really need a sharp pair of uh, cutters to trim that stuff up because it, it's not going to come off. Very cool, very cool. Um, you also have in the notes you're mentioning um, that you made a, uh, you did some um, CNCing as well. Oh, that's probably from last week, but um, yeah, that was the CNC oak discs that I laser cut some information on. Gotcha, gotcha. Very cool. Good stuff. Um, I will say um, the only thing I really want to bring up was that my son, out of the blue, literally out of the blue, came downstairs and said, hey, dad, um, if I print uh, something out about all oh, this you know, and just throws his hands around uh, about this big, uh, how much uh, do you think I should charge? Where'd this come from? What do you mean? And if you remember, I don't know if you guys remember, um, how most half of the things that he printed wasn't for himself. He printed his brother, a robot. He printed his nephew, a Rubik's cube holder. Well, it's not because Rubik's cubes, I find, I, I found that suck and you should never own them. The real good ones are made by somebody else. Um, and he made uh, his other nephew, uh, I believe it was like a phone holder, so he had, so he could prop his phone up and watch videos. And then a elephant for someone in school he printed. Um, and he said, well, somebody in school asked me if I could print them a uh, master sword from Legend of Legend of uh, a Zelda. So I'm going to get him that spreadsheet if I can, where we put in all the numbers. How much does your printer cost? How much does your filament cost? Uh, what do you consider your time to be worth? How much of a markup do you want to do? All these numbers shouldn't take long to fill out. Maybe a couple minutes. I'm going to make sure there's a link to, I believe right now what I have is a link to a YouTube video where the guy describes the Excel spreadsheet. And in the description of the YouTube video, there's a link to that spreadsheet. Um, so I'm going to fill that out with him, show him what it is. And then what I'm, one thing I'm going to do, Liam uh, tipped me off on this before. Um, I did find a good Legend of Zelda Master Sword on Thingiverse that I think fits the bill because he, he he didn't want it too big. He was just saying, you know, like four or five inches across kind of thing. But what I'm going to encourage him to do is to take that print. We're going to load it in um, his tool and I want to try to cut it down the middle so we can print the two halves flat on the bed, pull them off and then basically glue them together. That's so you have good definition and you have good details on all sides of that sword. So it seems like when he's challenged by somebody or when someone questions his ability is when he seems like he wants to start printing again and it's never for himself. Um, I've actually seen uh, the, not the master sword, but the guardian sword done on, uh, on, I forgot what it was, but it actually lights up. And what they did was they did two flat, um, two, two sided and they did like six or seven, um, different pieces all printed out of uh, uh, translucent 
But what they did was they put lights in it. I don't remember if the Master Sword lights up. But either way, it having it on both sides does make it look a lot better. And I think that would be a really good idea. Yeah, in the latest game, it glows when you're around powerful enemies, uh, essentially. But um, yeah, I think I did. I think I saw that same guy's other project instead of the sword. The one I saw was where he did the uh, Guardian Shield, which all of the Guardian weapons glow because you know it's a video game. Um, and he did. Yeah, he printed multiple parts in translucent filament. The work to put the lights in honestly looked like something even I could do without burning down the house. It was very simple. Very yeah, yeah. well. We have faith out. in your door. Don't. Well, can I do it at your house then? Um, and um, and I tr- and I showed that to my son, hoping, wishing, and praying he would want to do it. And he said it was really cool, but uh, it looks like a lot of work, Dad. So it doesn't look like he's going to do that. But uh, uh, honestly, starting next month, I'm going to give him a little bit of a break. Starting next month, I'm already going to start harassing him about next year's Halloween. Uh, I, I, uh, I, uh, I idea. I will say. He was a little bit discouraged when we went, we went for two hours walking around just over two hours. Each kid had over seven pounds of candy uh, with them. And so we went to a lot of houses. We went to a hell of a lot of houses. He got noticed two times, maybe, maybe three times. He was a skull kid from Legend of Zelda, Ma, um, Ma, Jor's mask, and it was the skull kid who had on the mask. And the one guy I saw that recognized him flipped out. He thought it was fantastic. He said, oh my god, that's a great outfit. Uh, the other two people I didn't see, they were kids he knew from school. So, I'm going to encourage him n- to do something if he wants people to notice, then you got to do something that you that me and you both agree everyone's going to notice. Um, so, I'm going to start harassing him literally in about a month about, well, let's think about next year and let's start this right and let's start right now. Because like with Aaron with the um, Fallout uh, arm computer kind of thing, you can try to do it in a week or two. But if you take your time over months and months to do it, you can do those kinds of things so good. Oh, heck yeah. You could you could print out an entire Stormtrooper or Darth Vader or whatever you want, you know, plenty of time to get it fit to you and weathered and reprint out the stuff that doesn't look great or breaks. Um, the the guy that did the video on the pricing, uh, CNC Kitchen, great channel, very well done videos, uh, usually excellent information, definitely worth a sub if you're if you're into the making. Very cool. Yeah. And it and he seemed the nicest way I put it is he was very detail oriented. Um aka he didn't just you know, throw something together and print it. He thought it out and he really tried to make sure that it was representative of the video game. And, uh, yeah, I mean, um, to call that passion is uh, an insult because it's, it, it is passion and it is talent. Yeah. And when you're doing, I mean, it, you dress up for you, you know, I, well, I do, if I'm going to dress up, I'm doing it because I want to, I'm, I'm not doing it so that everybody recognizes what I am. Well, I'll say this. I think what happened was his cousin went dressed up like a donut and then he was carrying, (laughs) hold on, wait, I'm not done. He went dressed up like a donut, which literally was nothing more than a cloth with two shoulder straps. So in the front and in the back was just a picture of a donut, but it was cloth. And then he had a basketball and every place he went to and they said, what is that? What are you? And he said, 
what do you think I am? And they were like, um, the donut. He, and then he held up the basketball and he said, I'm a Duncan donut. And everybody who asked him cracked up laughing, hysterical. Oh, that's a great outfit. Great outfit. And then everyone said to my son, what are you like a, like a bug? And he, you know, so it was, I think that was what made him not as happy as he could have been. Uh, that can be I, frustrating. Then, yeah. Cause honestly, I'll say it, if he can make people laugh, it seems like he's happy. So I, you know, that's what I'll say was the uh, gist of it. Okay. Uh, we've been going on for all, almost an hour and a half now. Uh, do you guys have anything else you want to discuss or talk about? Uh, actually, I just wanted to update. I noticed um, that our whole our uh, filament project we're doing uh, for the filament holder, the one link that I gave for all the different uh, trays and uh, doing that, that actually you don't put a screw in it. You use a piece of filament and uh, put that in and make it work. So that's even better. We have that. You don't need screws. So I just thought that was a cool uh, addition to that. I agree. I agree. I did design a adapter. If you're using the uh, uh, Zealtec. Hey, it's so... So no, it's not. It has to it's be printed. Done. It has to be no, printed. Somebody has to print it. We have to have proof of concept. Yeah, right. it does. I told okay. you. Okay. Nice try. I'm turning on my printer right now. Good start. So not there every, yet. So everybody. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> so everybody, Chad has a head start. Now this might be a tortoise and a hare thing, but uh, I'm just say now everyone out there, we got to step up our game a little bit. You have two weeks. Uh, to do this, so uh, let the best it win. Because if I was to assume your gender, I would be wrong. So let you, the best person, win. Best oh, me. I don't think this is the final version of my submission, though. Oh, I'm already yeah, thinking gear drives and maybe yeah, a motor you, or two. Quit talking game. Let's see results. Come on. Anybody can extrude a circle infusion in like 30 seconds. Come on. <laughs> That's about how long it took me to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm printing one of the uh trays right now actually no i'm thinking put it on a gear system so that it, yeah I'm, I'm, i've got ideas <laughs> i'm Some sure you gears. do uh, well yeah it'd be have to be planetary yeah 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 220 221 like yeah 220 221 whatever it takes Get a Raspberry Pi or an Arduino set up in there. Some push buttons and a couple just of have servos. it. ESPs, a couple, some couple ball bearings. Make it wireless. Yeah, everything's ball bearings nowadays. Remote control yeah. off your phone. Yeah, yeah make it use an ESP32. Go in the garbage. <laughs> it's starting to sound cheaper just to buy a little set of drawers to me. <laughs> Is it as At least much when you fun though? Your time in. Is well, it no, as much fun? Hell, I gotta make a living. <laughs> oh, you're in this. Oh, yeah, but see, I'm doing this for fun. Right, uh, let's have yeah, some fun with if it. If you're trying to make money out of this, you might as well forget that. <laughs> see, here's the real reason I would never do this. I it's round. I know I'm gonna knock it over, and it's gonna roll across my entire office, spewing <laughs> like parts leaving a trail everywhere. Of screws the whole way yep. as each little drawer opens as it rolls oh, over. That would be classic. Oh. <laughs> then, then you would actually have to go down to the hardware store and get one of those magnet uh, magnets so you can put pick up all your screws. Oh, now I got a design advantage. I'm going to make no a big way, flange the on Roomba the bottom so you can screw tonight. it to your workbench and it won't fall over. 
See, but Richard, then you'd have to go to the store and buy magnets. You're right. I'd have to walk there. We we should like like uh, besides this, just come up with a like a okay. You got to make a thing to do a thing, and the one rule is you can't go to the hardware store. Oh, you know? <laughs> that's a, right up Richard's alley. He hates the hardware store with a passion. Yeah, well, you gotta, it's cool. whatever's it's whatever's in your garage or your house or whatever. No, no, it's got to come oh. through the extruder. Oh, it's got to be all through the extruder. <laughs> yeah, it's got to all be filament. Dang, dude. Okay, okay. Yeah, otherwise all I've got an extruder. unfair advantage because I've got freaking CNC That's equipment true. and all that stuff. So yeah, you're kind of yeah. Cheap. See, I got a lathe. I got the router. Got I can too, right, Chad. The laser. Yeah, I could. Yeah. Wow. I got the Fidel. Can it come? Can it be something I'm? What if I make it on the lathe or out of the router? You can make an work? extruder head on your lathe, but outside of that, no. Yeah, so if I make... <laughs> <laughs> don't get it started, James. Don't, Come on, don't. man. You God, can turn dude, up stop, a brass extruder. Stop. All right, I'm done. But I'm no, it's going to be... If it can't fit through your extruder, you can't use it. <laughs> so you got filament Welcome to and Nuts guitar E-strings. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's the revamp version. Okay. I want to thank everyone for coming out. I want to thank everybody for uh, supporting us on Patreon. Uh, right now on Patreon, I know we have Ivor. We have John Hullinger. Uh, we have at least one or two other people. Give me one second here, guys. I'm just going to jump in and say, hey, thanks, guys. Yeah. That uh, really helps out. Yeah, definitely. Uh, thanks. It does. Yeah, We have four Patreons right now. Uh, Black Death met him up in Ma Massachusetts. And I had myself a really tasty beverage hanging out with him. Uh, Joshua from Canadia. Thank you very much, Josh. Uh, Diver and Christian, uh, thank all you guys for your support. Uh, if you want to support this show directly, just go to patreon.com slash themakers. You two can join in on the live show. I just have to figure out how we have a live chat. But that might be a little bit too distracting, so we'll have to figure that out. Uh, if you want to know more about the show, just go to podnuts.com, P-O-D-N-U-T-Z.com. Whole plethora of shows you can uh, listen to, sub, uh, um, sub, sub, subscribe to, and interact with. And if you want to leave us a voicemail, 7076-PODNUT, and I'll play it live on the air. Uh, with that, I will talk to everyone in about a week.